Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Muscovy Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And if you listen to this show on the podcast, this is episode 373. And it is a special show, not only... Is it our last show of the year? It's only our last show of the decade. So, as always, or when we have time, or when we remember, we're going to do our end of season review. So let's start off our review of the year with a look at the first three months. January to March. It's the time of year when there's a lot of excitement, a lot of hope. Everyone's just... (laughs) Looking forward to the season. It's, it's like Christmas Day, the, the first day of the new season. And often, like Christmas is, you're unwrapping presents as you go along. And there's a lot of disappointment in there. You maybe haven't got that bike that you wanted. Or someone's got you the wrong action man. And not, I, I don't want to go back into that. It's just, it was very, very disappointing. Or you get the wrong brand of PC. Oh, <laughs> parents. <laughs> not speaking about it individually. <laughs> Oh, or somebody buys you some kind of weird card set that you already have. <laughs> but, of course, we're, we're grateful for any presents that we get. We're going to kind of split off talking about the first three months into a couple of little different segments. The first thing I want to look at is the players that came into the squad in the months of January, February and March. Interestingly, most of them not here at the time of this podcast going out. In order of them arriving, in January, we had Derek Cornelius. Good. Johnny Rissé. Mm-hmm. Las Bangura. Mm-hmm. Lucas Venuto. Was he even here? <laughs> Scott Sutter. R.I.P. Enbom Wong. We'll see. That was all the January guys. February saw Eric Godoy. Bring him back? Joaquin Ardiez. Adios. Don't bring him back. <laughs> He's, he ran off in my magnifying glass, by the way. <laughs> when I thought that of him. And another striker who made a return to the club after a year away. Only Freddie F. and Montero, that's who. He's got two-year contracts. So yeah, so I mean, he, he's here. So he was back in February. Then March saw the additions of Thomas Hassel signing a homegrown deal as goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And Ali Adnan, initially on loan. 33-year-old. Is how many years he's been in the game by the time he signed that, that contract, I think. I mean, looking at those guys, Derek Cornelius, the standout player for me of those bunch... Some folk will probably say in Bom Wong, but again, 
we've talked about this a few times, when you come in as a DP, there's a bit more expected of you. Derek Cornelius, for me, was a bit of a surprise package. I didn't know too much about him. I knew he'd been involved with Canada. He had a bit of a shaky start to the year, but as his season went on, he was my unsung hero. I just thought he was the player that rose the best from where he started off the season. You could argue Max Crippo as well, but Derek Cornelius was outstanding for me. And the thing is with Cornelius is, is there was there was not very much high expectations because you already had Daniel Henry and then um, people, a lot of people had talked about Eric Godoy being a veteran and everything. So nobody really expected too much of Cornelius. And that was a good thing, especially at the beginning of the year because he had a little bit of spot of troubles, especially, I think, I think it was the beginning of the year. Where there was a certain penalties he gave up, or there was plays. yeah. Well, he's playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, his yeah, yeah. very first game in March, which we'll, we'll look at when we get to the games. But yeah, he started off as left back, and you're like, "Ooh, I'm not sure about this guy at all." And then once he got a run in the team, and he got his confidence, and it was playing regularly that that did it. And now you're looking at him next season as a guy that is going to be a regular starter potentially in that defence. Yeah, I mean, when you listen to uh, MDS talk about players for next year, it makes you feel like guys like Derek Cornelius are going to have a much more significant role in 2020. So you look at the list of the guys that came in, and especially in the midfield and attack, it's been a lot of swings and misses. Lucas Venuto left in the yeah. summer. Las Bengura not coming back. Well, John Arise has a two-year deal. I'll be amazed if he is on the pitch at Next first year. kick I think Irisi is probably the most disappointing out of all of them because we expected him to be like a maestro at the back or whatever. Uh, Bangura, he had that reputation of going to a team, uh, succeeding for a little bit, and then returning to his old team all the time. So I don't see any difference there. Venuto was also disappointing a little. Irisi for me was one of the biggest disappointments because fans of his team in Spain... They were gutted that he'd left. And basically, when he played for his team, they did so well. They won so many games with him there. And I expected a lot more from an MLS. But it does feel like the pace of the league was just too much for him. He just couldn't... He got caught on the ball too much because he wanted too much time. Yeah, the pace of the league and the style of play, the kind of uh, f- frenetic, frantic uh, pressing that happens in MLS, I don't think was was conducive to, you know, the way he'd played in Spain, where you had a lot more time on the ball. Joaquin Ardiaz, of course, is another one of the the big disappointments. Uh, A designated player comes in, didn't get a single goal in his Whitecaps career, and you you look at Ardiaz, Bangura and Venuto, and we were told these were players that they're very inconsistent, and Mar de Santos was wanting to try and recapture the best of them and try and re-spark their career. And basically, he he got too many projects. He brought too many of these guys that he was hoping he could turn the corner with. As it turned out, none of them actually did that. The fact that we got money from Venuto to a big Brazilian team, to me, was staggering. Because I, I just think the inconsistency showed here. And when you're bringing in players, you can't afford to have so many that's a work in progress or a project. And the thing is with RDS too, RDS, like you said, he was rated high. Like he, I think he was a top 50 young player of the year or something like that in one of those lists. So that was disappointing. But overall, I think, and then I think we talked about, uh, we haven't talked about in uh, bomb yet. In bomb, yeah. he's another guy that was sold as this like main, like major player coming in. In while he did have very fine moments. There was a lot of inconsistency. Obviously, a new place, the first time leaving his country, that played a big factor. But I think he he's a guy that can maybe take another step, but he, he was promised as being a, like a, a more bigger player than he was. Yeah, but he also is of, of virtually all these players, other than Cornelius, he's the one with who actually looks like he still has upside and still has quite a bit of potential. I do think Inbom is going to have a much better 2020 than we saw in 2019. It's not that he was bad. I mean, he was when he was good, he was good. But he was inconsistent. He was coming off a full season. It was very, very difficult for him. And I think with a bit of rest, he is going to be the player that we all expected him to, to be this year. One other new addition that was brought in in this three-month period was Brendan McDonough. Remember him? Lovely lad. Yeah. We, we, had I think good, we talked to him. Yeah, we had a great chat with him. Steve knows his whole family story. 
It's a, it was a great it's story. A, they're a pretty famous family yeah. in the US. I, I really, I liked the lad. I had high hopes for him. It, it didn't work out. He was the 35th overall pick in the second round for the White Cats because the Caps didn't have a first round pick uh, in 2019. And Marty Santa said that was the player he hoped to get at that stage. It's amazing. We always get the player that we had hoped to get. Incredible. They always fall to this month. Yeah. Not many of them still hang around, but yeah. He ended up getting loaned out as the, the season went on, got cut at the end of the year. It, it's it's difficult for the draft guys to get selected and to make an impact. I do think that the best chance for the Whitecaps, draft-wise though, is to go for defenders. We, we've been through the, the Pacey Wingers thing. It hasn't worked out. You look at some of the guys around the league that have worked out, centre-backs in particular, but defenders, I think, is the way to go. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, the PC wingers, they work out. Not, they didn't work out for the Whitecaps, they do work out for other teams. Yeah. So if they get the right player... Nothing ever works out for the Whitecaps. Make sure that it. player is not really uh, worrying about going to United or Liverpool and just concentrates on getting better <laughs> himself, um, then maybe we have a chance to develop somebody. It's too bad they can't just sell all their draft picks to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the expansion teams might want want wanted their draft pick too. Well, to get a couple of players in the top five. I mean, that that's the thing. In November, Mark DeSantis spoke to Harjit Jahal and, and said to her that they have identified the position that they want to go for in the draft because they've got the, the fourth pick in the draft. They've identified the position that they want to go for. You have to feel it's a defender. I th- would not be surprised if it's a left back because right now we just have Ali Adnan. They've identified a position, but did, has MDS also, didn't MDS also say in 2019 that with, when it comes to the draft, you have to take the best player available? Yes. He said if he can't get the players identified, that's what he's going to go for. It's going to be a much different draft this year to last year. But he did say to us as well, when we sat down with a chat in November, he's up for trading the draft spot as an asset yeah. to get a, an MLS experience And then maybe if they player. trade the draft pick, they can actually walk out at that time too, yeah. like, like I think Philadelphia did last year, or yeah. Chicago. I can't remember which team it did it. Because it's all about getting some experience in the squad, I feel. We've, we've got some good young players. I'd like to get some experience. I'd like to get some MLS experience. And we did lose a guy with a lot of experience. He was let go by mutual agreement in February. Marcel de Jong was released, picked up by Pacific FC, Horrible season for Marcel. He picked up a, an ACL injury. We had a, a good interview with him on the show a few weeks back where he just talked about his frustration. He knew right away when he went down that it was a bad injury. But he fought back from that ACL in just six months. For a player that age, I think that's remarkable. But he also said in that interview, he, he knew he wasn't going to be a starter here and he didn't want that at this stage of his career. At that point, we had Marcel de Jong, we had PC, we had Brett Levi's. Always the left backs, all of them gone. And when you look at that, was what the left backs were going to be. Marcel should have been the starter for me, but I was sad to see him go. But I think ultimately it's been the best move for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it, it, obviously, the bad luck of it getting injured, but overall, I think even probably off the field, he provided some stuff for the Pacific FC. So yeah, um, next was- year he'll be going and going and. Hopefully stays healthy and provides uh, fantastic uh, support on the on the left side. Another new addition to the White Caps that that happened in January was on the coaching side, and it was Nick Dazovich, appointed head coach of the White Caps development team, the under twenty threes, not playing in a league. We've talked a lot about it over the course of the season. Not ideal, but an ideal man to lead that team. And if you remember, we had a sit down chat with him at the the, the beginning of the season. And uh, he told us that uh, they spent all the Fonzie transfer money on him, <clears throat> and we all laughed. Yes, but, it, but it we didn't like know was, that that is actually yeah, what looks to have happened. That, that he was telling the truth. His hair gel does not come cheap. No, and it was one of my probably my favorite interviews of the year. So I, I would recommend looking back on that, even though some of the stuff didn't really work out for for, for the year, like we said, like yeah. did it, the, the team, but they did go. Travel. They did make yeah, good they, promise they, on they traveling. They played some games in Mexico. They played some games in England. They played some games in South Korea. Did they go Germany too or something like they that? They were going to. Oh, like, they 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 never went. Camera, it's okay. like that was mentioned. But I mean, it's not ideal. Mark DeSanta spoke about it when we spoke to him last month. Ideally, he wants the team to be in a league where you're playing 30 games a season. You're in a competitive environment where wins matter. 
And like Dasovic knows that. Dazo knows that this is what this team needs. He's done well with the guys, and you can look at some of the guys that's that's kind of come through and signed deals or moved on elsewhere or whatever. But it's that it's a big it's a big year for the, this group of players, and it's it's a tough job for Dazovic to have. I think he's the right man for the job, but could he maybe even be lured by a job at the CPL? Maybe even Pacific FC? Yeah, down the road it could be an option. Now, one thing that wasn't ideal, uh, speaking of not being ideal, yeah. is preseason training. Yes. Uh, which came in a nice place, but uh, somewhere that uh, the MDS was not a big fan of. Yeah, the Whitecats went back to Hawaii for the, the second straight year. The reason that they went back is after they were there... In 2018, they had to commit if they wanted to be back the next year and get everything booked up. So Robbo spoke to the, the front office. Everyone agreed. Yep, it was great. And they, they signed up for 2019. Because Robbo then wasn't there. MDS comes in. It wasn't ideal. They played two games there. He's been very vocal about the fact that it, it wasn't an ideal football environment. He said the beach was lovely. But from a football point of view, it wasn't great. Also not great was the fact that he was travelling there with so many young players. And he said that it basically felt like it was a youth camp that he was running there because it wasn't his proper players. So that whole period, that whole training session, was pretty much a waste of time for the team. But to be fair, the Whitecaps do make quite a bit of money from youth camps. So, <laughs> Well, there is that as well. And like Mark's made it very, very clear that he is not going to be going to such a similar environment this year. And that's what the team needs. It needs to be in a proper football environment and they're going to be more tested there. I, I still miss my days in Newport. The, the games in Hawaii, though, they, they played the two matches and they opened the 2019 pre-season with a 3-1 loss to V. Varin Nagasaki. That should have had the alarm bells ringing there. They were bombed out of that game. Yeah, they, they did. They were awful. Yeah, no, it was it was a terrible match. They looked very, very poor. It was hard to watch too because I think that was the one where you can hear the, the yeah, Japanese coach, coach the yeah. whole, constantly yelling about nothing else. Yeah, well, the one the one bright spot, of course, was David Norman scoring. Yeah, he scored off Simon Coline. Two players then that were not to feature for the whole season in MLS for the Whitecaps. Nagasaki got three goals in in a five minute spell, and yeah, I mean, you look at the the team that went out. And it was a strong team. And it was a team that saw a lot of action on the pitch, but they were obviously missing a, a decent striker. No offence to, to Theo Bear, who started that, but he was just... He was just learning his spot. Yeah. Uh, and then the second half, it was all, all the young guys. I mean, that was worrying. Then they followed that up with a, a 1-0 loss to Iwaki FC, who are, a, I think, a fifth or a sixth ranked tier in Japan as well. So that maybe should have been the start of the, the alarm bells ringing, those those two defeats. But you kind of wrote it off by saying, look, it doesn't really matter because we didn't have our proper players on the pitch. It was a it was a weaker team. But, I mean, were you concerned back then? Can you remember what, what you were feeling after those two games? No, because at that point, I, I, I was personally in a spot where I was going, this is just a new team that playing a team that no matter how... Le- what level somebody at? If a team's been playing together and is in mid-season form and they've they've known each other for a long time, they're always going to be a team that's just been put together. True, and it has to be like a major talent gap in order for that not to happen. And you can't always read too much in a preseason friendlies anyway. But I mean, af- after that, they were based out of LA. They had a no-no draw with the Galaxy, so that was good. They had a one-all draw with Club Tijuana, so that was good as well. PC got the goal for that day. I mean, you look at the goal, David Norman, PC, the guys you expect to be scoring <laughs> and making an impact in the course of the, the MLS season. And that was a late equaliser from PC as well. And then they rounded off the pre-season game. So only five pre-season games th- this year with a, a 1-0 loss to who were to soon become the support shield winners, LAFC, uh, Carlos Vela, 13-minute goal, setting his stall out for the season to come. Yeah, but that was a game that where they actually did play decently. I think there was a a, a mistake of something like that, but that led to the goal. Um, uh, but other than that, they played kind of to what they expected to, and I, it, that was actually promising. This game, even though it was a one nothing loss, and 
Joaquin Ardiez arrived in LA late on Thursday, taking part in that session. He didn't play in that game, but that was the first of him arriving. So you've got a guy that you're bringing in expecting to be one of your main strikers that did not play any of the preseason games. Yeah. I mean, again, the preparation for MDS in that regard was just not ideal. And he scored as many goals in the season that he did in the preseason too. Yes, consistent. Consistent. That's all you can ask for. So that was a look at the months of January and February and a little bit of March thrown in. But now it's time to get to that month in full. The MLS season is kicking off and that can only mean one thing, at least up until next year, the month of March. But we'll be back to talk about the next couple of months after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Like soldiers, martyrs. If we can make it through the night, we'll see the sun. March on, march on. We're going to look at the start of the MLS season. It kicked off on March 2nd at home, as it always seems to. Whenever we're ever not going to start at home, it's kind of, kind of it's, become it's a tradition. Dome. It's, it's the dome. dome. Yeah, the weather, the time yeah. of year, yeah. It's definitely a tradition. I, I quite like it. But Saturday, March the 2nd, at home, Minnesota United. Who are they? They're not a good team. We're bound to get off to a good start, we thought. And they, we were wrong about them not being a good team either because they yeah. ended up being a pretty decent team this year. I mean, they, they looked good in this game. It was a, a 3-2 win for the Loons. It was good goals by both. They, they kind of... Uh, the, the, well, it's the, a perfect perfect start, start for the Cavs. Yeah. Eric Godoy on his debut. Header, six minutes in. 1-0 off Jordi Reyna. We thought, this is it. We are MLS Cup champs. Then it was the Quintero show yeah, after then, that. Yeah, then it was Minnesota showing what having a difference maker looks like. Yeah. It's too bad he didn't play in the playoffs. 37th minute penalty from Quintero. Tied it up at half time. Two assists from Quintero in the second half led to, to Minnesota going... 3-1 up with two goals in a 3-4 minute spell. Daniel Henry did pull one back for Vancouver with nine minutes to go. Pretty even game possession-wise. Basically, it was 50-50. The shots were, were pretty much even. It, it was a very even matchup. And although you left with a defeat, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't too soul-destroying because you thought this team's still building. For a lot of these guys, it's their first time playing together. And you thought this, the seeds were sown that this still could be a good team and a good season. Yeah, and, and this is this was a game where, like, even though, you know, they were down 3-1, they were still going for Like, they were absolutely going for it. They were, like, the substitutions were solid. Um, they weren't holding back or anything like that. And they almost pulled it out because they, there was some chances late in the game, I remember, but they just couldn't do it. But, you know, like we said, we thought it was good, it was a bad loss, but it ended up being not that bad of a loss considering the team they were playing. Then after that, next couple of games, it was the VAR Cup. The White yeah, Caps finally won something this year. It was the VAR Cup. It, yeah. <laughs> 1-0 loss in RSL. 3-2 loss in Houston. Could have been so different. The VAR decisions that, that went against the White Caps early on. And the, the next game, let's just mention that as well. 0-0 draw at home to, to Seattle where the White Caps got a penalty. And then it was overturned by VAR. But the RSL correct. That game... That was the correct call. Yeah, that was that. correct. Yeah. Still... Not going to stop me complaining about it, but yeah, it was it was correct. The one 0 loss to Salt Lake was on a controversial first half penalty. I think it was Jake, right? Yeah, Ru- Rusnik scored from the spot in twenty one minutes when Corey Baird fell over in the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The referee looked at it in VAR. Somehow, it's still not seen that he he completely dive, and it afterwards, pro referee said, "Yeah, it was the wrong decision." Yeah, that was Canadian referee Drew Fisher. Yes, who has never given the Whitecaps very much, just in general, but boy, oh boy, I, oh boy. I think we got apologies after both the RSL and Houston games. Yeah. Yes. Th- that does nothing, because yeah. that's three points lost. And Can we get half a point for an apology? Well, th- th- Can we make the change the rule, maybe, nevertheless? <laughs> like, in, in all seriousness, I, I know we finished well off the, the playoff spots in the end, but... Football, a lot of it's about momentum and confidence. You get those calls in those games. You've got points on the board. You you maybe end up with a win, not a draw, or just one point or whatever. You don't know then what that does to the team. It totally. keeps them going on a run. Yeah. And that 
that could have been a big part of what cost us actually being in the playoffs. There was obviously other shortfalls that will come to it in later parts yeah, but, of the but review. Yeah, but like you but said, that this could have turned it around. Like maybe if they weren't down one nil, it was late. They, maybe they pulled something out because they still have the confidence to go for it. Yeah, score, and, and the lack of frustration from getting those calls. Yeah, that changes the score effect, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it plays a huge role. And the thing is, if you think of it, those calls don't against go against the Whitecaps. They got three points out of the first four games instead of one point out of the first four games of the the, the month of March. Yeah. I mean, it, I know there's only two difference. points, but it makes a difference. Yeah, I, it's, it's just because the team was low quite mentally in April, after a, a disappointing first month, and it could have been so different. The three-two loss in Houston as well. I mean, that w- that was a wild one. Montero and Bangura scored for the Caps. It was a, a Rodriguez goal for Houston in the fifteenth minute. Montero from the spot in the thirty-fifth. Then an Albert Elise. Albert Ellis to his that friends was, back home. That was the that was the controversy. That was the Jake Nowitzki one. I think, yeah. Right? yeah, and then Bangura. Oh no, Cornelius. That was oh Cornelius. yes, yeah. Oh yeah, because playing on the left side again. You're thinking, who is this guy? We just talked about how he had he kind of turned his form and fortunes around, but that first month was awful for him. But I mean, it was just yeah. I already felt with that point that nothing was going to go right for the team, and then the Seattle game, which was a pretty boring game, nil nil. Then it looked like they'd won a penalty. It was Korean on Korean violence. Surprisingly, not north and south. It was two South Koreans this time. And chopped down in the box. It looked like it was the right call to overturn. It would have been harsh to give the penalty. But who cares about fairness? That could have cost Seattle hosting the MLS Cup Yeah, and the, if we'd scored that. If and, it would have. And the thing is, is uh, um, RDS also had, like, this that, This could have been a turning point in RDS's uh, season two. He had, remember he had that late chance where he almost scored and it was a massive save by uh, Stephen Fry to deny him as well. Yeah, he didn't if get he had, some breaks in those early games either. But who knows, if he had scored that goal, that could have turned his season around. He got that confidence going and maybe he starts potting more goals in. Yeah. So it, it, it's amazing how one little change can adjust the whole season. I kind of feel responsible. We are up late. We were we were in the woods. We were trying to solve that, that missing hitchhiker. It just did not work out. So just before we, we finish the month of March, we're going to look at something non-Whitecaps because, in a bit of a surprise, Canada after Vancouver pulling out of the, the World Cup, got to host a Canadian men's national team game. French Guinea came to town. It was a comfortable win. It was great to have the, the boys back and getting all the interviews that we, we got with them as well. And I thought that would be the start of them maybe coming back for some more games later in the year. But sadly, it looked like a one-off. Hopefully it's not the last one we get for a while, but... Are you maybe getting the sense, Zach, that we might not see them back here for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it helps that John Herdman <laughs> Herdman lives near here, uh, and I th- so I think that plays a role. Uh, I think also the issues with the government that, that have prevented the FIFA twenty twenty six World Cup coming here. I think the the team wants to play here a bit. I think the the players and the coaches want to play here a bit. So you could. You could uh, you could see some other games, but yeah, I, I personally I was okay. Like obviously I want games here, but I was okay that not all the games or not like most of the games were here in this past year. I think it was it was better yeah. to have them in in uh, multiple. Yeah, places. we don't want to get into the whole regional pissing contest either, but it would be nice to see the games shared around going forward. I, I don't see it being uh, a fait accompli that it's not going to happen here at all. Um, I think there will be games. It might not be higher profile games. Maybe those ones will be the ones that are out in Toronto or wherever. But the I think there are going to be games in the future because there's going to be because if they go into that seven to thirty two tournament yeah. or whatever, the there's going to be many high profile games. No, there's like not going to be very many <laughs> ones there. So the, there will be opportunity to play here in that in those games. I, I agree. It would that be it would be nice to see some of those games played and maybe. Uh, some CPL stadiums or CPL uh, areas like Halifax. I'm, I don't know. Maybe that's too small. Uh, and same thing with Pacific. Steve's giving me a, like no a way, disgusted that's look. Gonna, that's not going to happen at all. It would be nice though. It, it would be. Yeah, I think it would help. It would help I, grow the nice support. It would be nice if they play, played some U23 games in those yeah. places or something like that. To, that, that, that would they, build some. When do they don't play home U23? They games. should. They oh, should yeah. exactly. That, they that, should. That's, that's maybe part of the the issue. Anyway, that was a month of March bit depressing. Will it get any better? Spoiler, no. 
Beware the Ides of March, they said. And we should have at least beware the the VAR of March, if that can maybe be the new phrase that we're going to go for, because the referees definitely screwed the Whitecaps over in the month of March. So I thought, let's take a little break from looking back at the year. Let's get to Wavelength and a song all about referees by a UK comedian called George Roper. This was from a comedy show shown at Christmas time in 1971. This is just a fun song called The Referee. Who to be a referee? Get him off, get him off. What a whistle and a little dried up pee. It's no protection. For the things they throw Toilet rolls and bottles every time I blow I remember the derby game The Blues against the Reds When Bestie had his face punched in his shirt With salt and shreds A sent off Bell and Summerby A sent off Fanny Lee Then Alison ran on the pitch And tried to send off me Be a referee. Number nine, I saw you spit, and number three, oh, you kissed him. Well, bless my soul, you're only supposed to kiss the one who scored a goal. George Roper there with the referee, and the referee certainly did screw the Whitecaps over this year. Would it continue past March? Well, let's find out as we get into the month of April. April kicked off with the Zlatan show coming to Vancouver. The lion tamed his prey with a couple of important inputs in the second half. He got a goal. He got an assist. It was a match that the Galaxy ended up winning 2-0. And it could have been oh so different if only Ali Adnan had not been a selfish... Complete that sentence. And tried to, to show off in front of Zlatan. That's how it certainly felt. With a, a, a first-minute Penenka. Well, I think it's all those... Uh, uh, he was trying to get more mentions in Europe or something like that. And that's why he really... He thought a lot of eyes were going to be on this game because Zlatan was playing it. And oh, he got some eyeballs oh, on I know him. That. He got more than, than he wanted, I guess. Yeah. He went viral in the worst possible way. Yeah, he got... You want eyeballs, but you want them for good reasons. And yeah. This was an atrocious... Uh, a penalty which uh, you felt just like sunk the team for the game. Yeah. I, I, I'm i not a fan of Penenka's at the best of times. If you're 4-0 up, yeah, maybe do it then. But it's a bit disrespectful to the opposition, which I genuinely I, don't I, care too much about. I but. definitely don't think you should do it on your first one. Because no, the, cause not, in the, not in the first minutes of no. the game when you've been in a really bad run and you're looking for your first win of the season. Because the thing is you want to establish that you blast these things through. Yeah. And it's, and it's then, selfish. No, no, but you you, you establish your, your ability to blast them through and then down the road, maybe in your fourth or fifth penalty, that's when you break because somebody's expecting to to dive to the corners. But from that perspective, Steve, you also got to think that, that the keeper is going to think he's going to smash this because it's the first one. He's yeah, a strong, maybe, powerful yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. But the execution was what yeah, the was, execution was, was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was one of the worst Penenkas you'll see. He basically telegraphed it. Yeah. We should have a Penenka well, penalty contest. It. That's yeah, what happened. He telegraphed it too. It's, it's the turf. Let's blame the turf. Turf monster. Not, not the selfishness, but the turf. At least he hasn't tried it again. And let's hope he never does. I don't think he's been able to take a penalty since then. No. Ba- <laughs> banned. Anyway, a week later, the Caps got their second point of the season in a 1-1 draw at Chicago. And there was a former white cap that helped him out. Obviously, his heart is still in Vancouver. Yeah. Good old David Usted with a howler that gifted Jordi Reyna a 53rd-minute goal 
Don't know what he was doing, came flying out of his box, just mishit it straight to Jordi. Boom, 1-0. The fire, though, they grabbed a point as the Caps gave up yet another penalty. Six minutes from time, VAR came back into it, ruling that Henry had handled. Nikolic tucked it away, but then Kripoto had to come up big with a huge save late on to literally even save the point, but thank you, David Usted. Yeah, and poor Daniel Henry's gone now. Yeah, and David Usted's out of Chicago. Who knows where he'll end up? Well, he's training hard right now. If you watch on his social media, he's ah. showing himself at, field, at Fields training. And this was a difficult one, too, because this was the, the start of that weird week when they were traveling, like, to Chicago, come back, play home game, then go back across the country again. So it was, yeah. it was the start of what we expected to be a horrendous week. So that, that late penalty really hurt because they thought they could get three points out of it. It's considering, I think, at, the, at this point, they were winless. Yeah. They hadn't won a game, and to give up that penalty late was another heartbreaker. I mean, we talk a lot about the Whitecaps' travel woes over the year. Other teams this year have had big travel woes as well, and we've mentioned... They're probably getting mentioned a lot more just because of the, the collective bargaining that's coming up. But yeah, to be in Chicago and then to fly to Vancouver and then to fly back out to Orlando, absolutely ridiculous scheduling. And something has to get done about that next season. Somebody would say Mickey Mouse. Some would say that, especially since they went to, to see him in Orlando. But at least in between the, the horror flights, there was some good news. Because... Five days after that draw in Chicago, an unbeaten streak started. It was two games, but still it's an unbeaten streak. They have to start somewhere. Wednesday, April 17th. Mark that in the history books, because that was the day that MDS got his first win as a Whitecaps coach. And of course, it was written in the stars that it would have to come against his former team, LAFC. It was magical. It was. The magic of Disney. Yeah, you could almost say, or you're considering you meet at Voldemort. So, oh, yes, that as well. That I was thinking Ellie also have Disneyland. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. But one 0 win in the end over LAFC, and it was another first in that one as well because it was in Bom Wong's first goal as a white cap, firing home the rebound after PC. Remember him? His shot crashed off the post. Yeah. See, he, he was serviceable, and he was Korean. He admitted that he, PC. He, no, no. Oh, in Bom. A lot of At PCs end, are Korean. No, I think most are Japanese. No. Or but in Bomb, remember that was the game where he mentioned to everybody, I'm Korean. Oh, that, that was the sock. That was a whole sock thing. Yeah, the sock thing. Yes. Or a misunderstanding. Lost in translation. Yeah. That's that's a phrase that the Whitecaps like to use a lot. I mean, that, that win over LAFC, it, it, it put a spring in your step. It gave you a little bit of hope because they were just knocking everyone by the wayside by this point. And it made you think, you know what? This isn't a bad team. They just have to maybe find their feet a little bit and, and get get some some wins or some points or just get some momentum going. And it was it was a good performance. And most of all, I was just really pleased for MDS to get that, that monkey off his back. Not not French surrender monkey, just just a normal monkey. Were you, were you glad that he got his monkey away? Yeah, I think so. Um sometimes it's good to get that monkey off. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I get off with monkeys, but well, you know, you go to the zoo. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game. <laughs> oh, anyway, oh my talking of monkeys, there's a lot of monkeys to be found in Disney's Animal Adventure in Orlando. I'm not sure the White Cats had too much time to, to visit that. because no, was, they basically just got in town yeah, and played. It's like they flew out on Thursday, yeah. they played a game, they, they flew back home again. And they'd put in a, a battling performance considering what they had been through in the last nine days, only going down to a 1-0 defeat. Nani got the deflected winner two minutes from time. But defeat aside, I, I, I was pleased with the performance that they put in and I felt they deserved something from that. And if all the folk to score, it would be that annoying tosser, Nani. Yeah, I know you weren't happy about oh. that. Um, but the, but the, the, I agree, the, the, there were so many... Games, especially like obviously we'll talk about it later, but that little the real major dip that they had. But these games that had the beginning of the season, there were a lot of them where they could have grabbed a point or a win if it was just just something rolled their way, basically. Oh yeah, and if the queen had balls, she'd be the king. Yes. Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I don't like Nanny. <laughs> I don't like nanny um, Does anyone actually like Nanny? I guess some Portuguese folk probably do. We should ask, yeah, I think his ask mom. MDS. His mom? Ah, oh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, you should ask MDS about Nanny. I, I wouldn't say he was an ugly baby, but when he was born, the midwife slapped the mother. <laughs> Just getting all my jokes out. <laughs> you mentioned his mum. Okay. Yeah, that she liked, that she loves him. Yeah. I was going to say, it's a, a, he's got a face that only oh, a yeah, mother would love. Yeah, that was why. Anyway, the month ended for the Whitecaps on April 27th, and it was another home point, a one-all draw with Philly. Henri got his, his first half goal with Prisbilko, getting a second-half equaliser. Not really too much to, to talk about in that game. I didn't know the union were going to be so good, so a point actually turned out to be quite a good thing. Yeah. No, if the... Another game where it was just a late, late yeah. point. They, they were three, they were minutes away from getting three full three points. Yeah, and it's it, the story of the first half of the year. And it was like a the whole beginning of the season felt like that. There was a, a number of games where there was these late equalizers or late winners against Vancouver. Yeah, that was w- partly what was demoralizing and what was very yeah. difficult. But for then they, they turned that around, and then they had to start coming from behind just to solve a point. And right. then it was them that was getting the late winners. So it was a weird season yeah. as it, yeah. as it kind of played out. But away from MLS, the big news in April was the Canadian Premier League kicked off. It was an exciting time. It had been building for a couple of years and it it was finally here. And Zach and me went over to the Pacific FC opener with Bill Curry and AFTN photographer Tom Mwaziek. And we didn't invite Steve. Well, we did. He was working. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't. Gonna, I know. I, I just. I knew I was going to make a game this year at all. I just thought I'd get that in before Steve said we left him out. But I mean, it was it was an exciting time. Just sum it up, Zach. How you felt the league finally starting? Yeah, it was it was historic. It was uh, it was incredibly. It was a, it was a it was a great day. I mean, like the, it was a beautiful day. Oh, uh, perfect uh, weather, island. great crowd, sellout crowd. Yeah, and they did great a lot, atmosphere, yeah. a win. They did a lot of good things. Uh, a lot of good things for that opening game to make it meaningful. Uh, the people at Pacific and yeah, there. If you've gone to Pacific games this year, most of them have the ones I've gone to. Anyways, I don't know you, Michael, how you feel the same, but like they just feel like a great day out at the football. And yeah. maybe that's added because I'm traveling for them, and they feel like an away game in, in one sense. Yeah, but um, but I've really I've seen three games this year. Same, and I've I'll really enjoyed. I've still got some helicopter vouchers. I should. You need to use those. Yeah, Steve and me, we should just go one way. Don't know how we. Don't know how the hell we get back, but we'll, we'll sort something out. I've, if anyone wants to donate, we'll get the heli to jet drop us off at the ferry. Yeah. Yes. If there's any heli jet donations. Out yeah, there. welcome to take them or this the seaplanes. Basically anything free, send it into us. But in all seriousness, no. It, this was a massive. This was a massive. I was joking about the donation, oh. but in all seriousness, uh, unless anyone does actually have it, but <laughs> the the launch of the Canadian Premier League is, is something I think we'll look back on in a decade from now, two decades from now, and see how significant and vital it was for club football in Canada. And and, and pe- pe- people who want to disparage what CPL look like and all that stuff, they only need to see what MLS looked like. In the early 2000s oh, yeah. the, or late 90s. Well, yeah, I, I, went to, look I went to a game either. in 96, an MLS game, and it was like so different from now. Yeah. And so, and this, and, and this was done really on the quick. So, yeah, um, we talked uh, about soft launch so yeah. many times this year, but yeah. it's essentially, essentially it was a soft launch. And we'll talk a little bit more about the CPL later in the, in the year in review. So, there's one big off the pitch story for the Whitecaps that it didn't break in April because it first kind of came to prominence I think in in February but it kind of started really hitting the headlines in April which was the resurfacing of the women's abuse scandal from way back in the pre-MLS days and it was something that became a lot more prevalent into May so we'll, we'll talk about that more in May so that was the month of April and that leads to what was to be a very special and historic celebratory month for the Whitecaps, the month of May. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Cal Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN Podcast.
Madness There with My Girl, released on December 21st, 1979, charting just after Christmas 40 years ago, bringing us nicely to the Whitecaps special 40th anniversary month, although it really should have been September, but yes, we're talking about the month of May. So the month of May started with an open letter to the fans from owners Greg Kerfoot and Jeff Mallett addressing the women's abuse scandal that we briefly mentioned there for April. Wasn't the greatest letter. It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest time for the Whitecaps. And as we now know, the, the report was published the week before Christmas on December 18th. It was something that we talked about during the year and it, it dominated the month. Fan unrest, there was supporters' walkouts, protests, there was meetings and eventually the Whitecaps said, look, we're getting this group in. Yeah, and, and it, it was, it was the, the women's issue. Then it was people coming to understand, I think, more about what happened with the residency issue back a couple of years ago. And well, then, that, yeah, that and, came up again. Yeah, and, yeah. and then it was the... Um, uh, the English coach who was hired for the academy yep. set up. In, in the, it, was, it was this big culmination of things that upset different and people. The, the media were really on it. And it did, it did make you wonder why why now? Why did the media not react to it before? It, I mean, it's obviously come to a lot more prominence now. And Kira McCormick had done so well to bring these things back to the public's attention. And it has to stay to the forefront and it has kind of dipped down in in the general mainstream media. Yeah, it, it, I think, Michael, the thing that happened with her, her blog post in February, was it more succinct, succinctly told uh, 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 the bigger story and also... Um, there were other people corroborating the, uh, like, what I don't know, like the blog as well. There was that coach that coaches in Alberta or something like that that used to be at uh, Coastal. Um, he, yeah. he wrote a, 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 a blog post or a, yeah. some kind of account but what he did. But there were there were people uh, now at this time backing her up. Like in February, there was just that, that her own blog that came out. But yeah, it was more it was more a complete picture. Like you're right. She had written about some of the things before and they more were centered around – uh, pay and uh, you know maybe not benefits, but what was involved in being a white caps woman? Yeah, like be, being asked to do appearances that with, with no players pay. Would get played yeah. yeah. And it, so th- this was a bigger thing because she also in this she began to include other people's stories from her team. Who yeah. I guess she had permission to share more of their stories. Yeah, and it, so this is it. It brought the whole thing to to larger prominence because of that because it became more. There became more and more elements. It became more and more worrisome. Yeah, and bit, it was also a big thing because the coach accused was uh, still, still coaching, coaching. Yeah, and that well, was a big thing. There was also well. two coaches involved because there was another incident going to twenty eleven as well yeah. with, oh, with yeah. the team. So I mean, that one seems to to not really get mentioned that much. But we won't delve into it again too much just now. We talked a, a little bit about it on the Christmas show with the report coming out on December eighteenth. But we'll we'll go into it in a bit more detail when we're doing our December month in review. So let's move on to the the on-the-pitch side of of football things for the month of May. The month saw a staggering seven matches for the Whitecaps, starting with a fantastic win, their first away win of the year. What a game. 3-2 win in Colorado. Montero and Venuto had the Caps two up by the 26th minute. It looked like they were coasting and things were really comfortable. It was so, so coasting, I went and got a pizza and was listening to it in the car. By the time I got home with my pizza, it was 2 all. 
Kai Kamara had levelled things up with two penalties, either side of half-time. Both were avoidable. First one, horrible strikers tackle in the box from Freddie in the first half. And then, I, I can't remember, who was it that pushed Levi's? It was Freddie. It was Freddie again. Yeah, it was Freddie. Freddie pushed Levi's. That was my favourite penalty yeah. of the year. Against the and, into the Rapids player. Well, and it was penalty. assisted foul. Yeah, it was his assisted version, of, his version yeah. of a double-double. Yeah, yeah do, you get, do you get an assist for that? Do you yeah, get assist for fouls? Oh. But VAR took over, of course, because... VAR hated the Whitecaps, we did win the VAR Cup, so at least we won something. And it was another penalty, and you thought, everything that could go wrong is, is going wrong now. But no, we were wrong, because Diego Rubio got sent off for hitting Henry in the face. VAR then ruled out what looked like a last Bangura winner in the 82nd minute, but Andy Rose was deemed to be offside. But the good old Englishman, and you won't often find me using that phrase, but the good old Englishman... Got redemption, his first game back after his facial fracture in Houston back in March. Got the winner, three minutes from time. Definitely a contender for match of the year. It, it had everything, it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think I think Kai scoring goals uh, and playing against Kai and Nico have elevated it to like a, the meaningfulness of the game. And yeah, first, first away win of the year is significant. Um, I agree with you. It was definitely one of the one of the memorable performances from the year. The Caps then followed that up with a 1-0 Cascadia Derby win at home at Portland. Cascadia's death watch beetle, Freddie Montero, doing more timber damage. Ninth minute winner. Unbeaten. Three games now. This is a streak. Three games unbeaten. We're going to turn our season around, right? Uh, no. The, no, but... From, well, spoiler, no. Back, yeah, yeah. But, but it was... It, that, it, it felt promising yes, at the time. Yes, it did, 100%. Because we saw how they uh, were playing at the beginning of the year where it was just like we said before, a, a goal here, a goal there, they would have had some po- extra points. And now we saw them getting those things and maybe we saw it like turning around, you're right. It's always a huge game when you beat Portland. It doesn't matter what else is going on in your season. Yeah. When you beat Portland you beat Seattle, it's massive. And th- this was also one of the best results of the year. I mean, in all seriousness, this could have turned our season around and we went on a, a good run. I mean, we, we didn't lose many games for, for a spell. But two away draws followed and that kind of... The brutal schedule started to catch up with them. It was 1-1 against Kansas City on May the 18th. Four days later, Come they're in New York, 2-2. And they arrived the morning of that game because of travel difficulties as yes. well. But they showed their fighting qualities in both those games. They were trailing in both. Cornelius got a 94th minute equaliser in Kansas. Cracking volley. It was up there for one of the goals of the season. Mm. Then they came back from 2-1 down in New Jersey after taking the lead, earning a point with a Freddie penalty. So they were showing fighting spirit. They were five games unbeaten, and you're thinking that this team is starting to, to turn it around. It maybe just needs a couple of extra pieces or players to step up, and neither of those things sadly happened. And we had two home games to round the month off before the Gold Cup break. 2-1 win over Dallas. Saw the damage done from Adnan and Venuto in the first half. Ali's goal was that screamer. Another goal of the year contender. My goal of the year contender. It was the bend, more like a bender as opposed yeah. to a streamer. Yeah. 1-0 draw with TFC followed. Late drama though. Another Montero penalty kick gave the Caps the lead with six minutes left, but Nick DeLeon levelled in the 90th. And that was the end of May, and we'll get to June shortly, the end of both those months, late heartbreakers that kind of, looking back mentally, may have derailed the Caps a little bit. But, I mean, that just made it one loss in seven. A corner turned, maybe, should it have been. They went on a bit of a run altogether. They only lost one game until the end of June. They won six. It kind of fell apart after that. The TFC game, though, was also the official celebration of the Whitecaps' 1979 Soccer Bowl win. Tony Waiters was, to me long overdue inducted into the White Caps Ring of Honour. I would have had him in the kind of first group of nominees. But it kind of made sense it tied him with the anniversary. But, I mean, great to have him in. Great to see all the, the guys back as well. Obviously, we did a, a lot of coverage on the on the site and on the, on the podcast for the 40th anniversary. 
I really enjoyed doing it and it was great chatting to these guys and getting all the old stories and I, I mean the Fighty Cats get a lot of stick for stuff that they do I thought they did all of this very well no, it should have been in September, yes. but timing meant that wasn't going to happen to get everyone. The maximum people they got yeah. was that much. So May worked, and yeah. I thought they did it. I thought they did an excellent job. It was a good job. Um, they, they were. You wish, you wish there was a little bit more spread out over the year because they basically seemed like it ended at that point. The, it, it yeah. seemed like it was the celebration ended they at did that a, time. They did some stuff in September. We obviously but, ran it over the course of the season, and I'll blow my own trumpet. I think we did a fantastic job on AFTN covering it and we got some really good interviews with the guys. We had a special podcast episode in September. We did our season recap, doing all the stuff from the old programmes. I think we did it way better than, than the club did it themselves. And yeah, <laughs> pat on the back from Zach, he agrees. No, but uh, no, but like, like, it seemed, didn't it seem like it ended? It did, Zach? yeah. At that in May, it basically just like nothing really happened in the summer. You're right; they did a little bit in in September, but nothing really. Yeah, it was always awkward when they changed the date. When when they came out in public to say, "It's this is happening September." It's hey, we're playing New York. It kind of ties in with the semifinal against the Cosmos, and it, it just felt really, really awkward. Uh, I know that it also felt, even though this might not be the case, it felt like it was it was tied into. Uh, all the stuff that was going, it's like they needed a, a win, like they needed a good story. Uh, yeah, it wasn't though, because I, no, I no. was first told in March that the date had changed. Right. So, I mean, it definitely wasn't. And just to, to round off the month of May with some transfer news Jordan Hutema left the Caps for PSG. Another young talent going to a big club in Europe. She's done well, delighted for her. A great story for the White Caps women's program. And they're easing her in into PSG. She's not playing over a lot of minutes, but they're she, but she's scoring some scoring huge goals. goals. Yeah, yeah, scoring yeah. goals. Great player. One to watch for the future. Looking forward to see where her career takes her. But that was the month of May. We're going to look at the Gold Cup in June, but before we get there, let's have another musical break, and it's time for our last song from December's Artist of the Month, the New Royal Family. And if we're playing them, there's only one song we can finish with. Here is an extended version from what you usually hear of anyone fancy a chocolate digestive.
the new royal family there with anyone fancy a chocolate digestive, are Artists of the Month for December. Check out their stuff on SoundCloud and their YouTube channel, The New Royal Family. We'll be back with new Artists of the Month next year. But now, let's get back to our end-of-year review for 2019 and the month of June. June was a sad month for us here at AFTN. We lost a member of our team, my own beloved Bailey. Border Collie of 15 years, Predictapooch, some of you will have known him from his time on the podcast, sadly went to the the great ball-chasing heaven in the sky. And I I still miss the little furry guy, and it's weird not having him around, but he's left a good legacy for AFTN and a lot of happy memories for me. So, starting off sad, things could only get better, you hoped. And it wasn't a bad month. It was Gold Cup time. The Gold Cup got underway. Canada kicked off their tournament with a 4-0 win over Martinique. They then went lost 3-1 to Mexico in their next group game. Kind of expected, but you had but, a slight hope that they might have... They played well. They played well, they play, yeah. it was a, It was much better. It was even... Uh, games where they, it's been close before, they never looked like they were in the game, but this yeah. one they were actually looked like they were in the game. And then qualified for the quarters in style with a 7-0 shellacking of Cuba, thanks to hat-tricks from Jonathan David and Vancouver Whitecaps' Lucas Cavallini. <laughs> Which could, uh, could be, the that game could have been the undoing of the next game. Yeah, because I think, I think a little overconfidence yeah. really didn't help him in that next Save some of those goals, yeah. I think, is what you needed to do. But yeah, it then all went wrong on June 29th. Canada blew a 2-0 lead at the half, giving up three second-half goals against Haiti, going down to a 3-2 defeat. Now, after all the Herdman hype and we are getting swept along with everything and yeah, that game against Cuba, you're like, oh, and we did well against Mexico and 4-0 against Martinique, all the other good results they've had. This was a huge reality check. I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with that part. I don't agree that it was a, re- a reality check. It just, I agree that they needed to realize they're not as good. If you meant by reality check, is that well, maybe for the for some of the fan base, and it was a bit of a reality check. Yeah, it, it did bring a lot of them into it, but I think they just they need to realize that they just can't coast on other game, uh, other performances. They actually needed to put the work in, and that. And this game... There was some horrible defensive play in this one, though. And, and then we talk about... We're, obviously, we're going to talk about in the future, like the uh, other games, the... the uh, what's it called? The League of Nations. Uh, uh, Nations, <laughs> Nations League. League. Nations League. Um, but uh, the this game did hurt them because this was lost points. They would yeah, have got some very points against much so. They were beatable games It's, as it's well. one of those what-if moments. Yes. It's like... It's just so disappointing. Yeah, the defending was awful. But I think Boran, Borian didn't cover himself in glory. The right back, I think, was Godino. Was yes, and he's disappeared without a trace. Alfonso at left back was uh, at least partially to blame for the, the, the winning goal. He would never make left back. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was disturbing uh, that they could fall in such a way. I'm, we've known... With this team, it's such an exciting attack. There's some really strong midfield pieces, and it's the defence that's the worry. Hopefully, we can get some of these players coming through and turn that around a little bit. But it was just a, I was just disappointing because you expected at least a semi-final spot and maybe even a little bit more. Now the Whitecaps had a couple of weeks off because of the Gold Cup. The development squad did head to Korea for a couple of games there, but they got back to MLS action. With a 2-0 draw at home to Colorado on June 22nd. Now, it looked like a shocker was going to be in the cars for this one. The Rapids, two up after just 20 minutes. But once again, the Whitecaps showed fight and spirit. Frey gave them some hope with a first-half stoppage time goal before Reyna earned a point with 10 to go. Great fight and spirit. Another 2-2 draw followed four days later. And again, they had to come from being two down. This time, they were two down by the hour mark before Reyna and Venuto got goals in the last 10 minutes. Great fighting spirit, but it certainly is not sustainable. 
And I think we saw that then as the season going on, that it's great to do, dig yourself out of that hole, but you're not going to be a competitive team if you have to keep doing that. If you if you were to ask people to describe the season uh, kind of in like one game, you would probably say a 2-2 come from behind draw. Yeah, I think that is... That that is an everlasting memory for it. But then, I mean, the months we talked about how bad May ended, June ended even more I horribly. Think, uh, personally, this game uh, that you're going to uh, describe here uh, is basically, I, I think, it was the demoralizing game of all demoralizing yeah. games this year. I mean, MDS talked about things went wrong when the players came back from the Gold Cup, which was after this game. Tie that in with mentally mm-hmm. losing a 96th minute goal in Seattle. For a 1-0 defeat, it did seem to mentally crush them. We won't go into that game, but it was just... Yes. It was heartbreaking to watch. Scored by MLS Cup scorer, Kevin Leardham. Yeah. It's... I mean, whether the Caps deserve to get something from it, I don't know. But just to lose it that late, heartbreaking. And it did. Their season unraveled after that. But that was the month of June. That is it for this episode. Our first part of the season review... But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM. I'm Mike McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer, and on YouTube at AFT in Canada. Give us a like and a subscribe and all the stuff that the young kids tell you to do in all their videos. We'll be back next week, looking over the months of July to December. So un- until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And on the 2020s. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?